The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to the Cobar region of New South Wales today to check in with what the sweetly named Manuka Resources is up to at its Mount Boppy Gold project, about 45 kilometres east of Cobar, and it's one winter silver project, about 90 kilometres south of Cobar. Manuka trades under the code MKR, or Mike Kilo Romeo to be sure, and last traded at 32 cents for a market cap of 86 million. Now, there are more than 20 explorers and emerging producers in the Cobar region, but very few of them have what Manuka has, and that's two fully permitted gold and silver projects. That is important in the New South Wales context, more of which we'll talk about in a moment. Manuka also distinguishes itself from the pack by actually producing a cash flow from gold production at Mount Boppy, and by having a plan to begin treating stockpiled material at one winter to produce 900,000 ounces of silver in quick fashion. But both should be seen as stepping stones to Manuka's plan to return both Mount Boppy and Wanawita to long-term hard rock mining operations and to bring in other deposits proved up in a concerted exploration program it has underway in the region. Copper gold deposits in the typical Cobar style are part of the picture. So all up, Manuka has an interesting story to tell. And to do that, we have its executive chairman, Dennis Carp with us today. G'day, Dennis. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Barry. Good afternoon. Great. Hey, Dennis, I think it would be uh, a real help to investors if we could do a bit of a scene setter here first, uh, both, say, at Mount Boppy and Wanawita. They both have histories. Give us a snapshot of those, as well as Manuka's move to ownership of both and the overall strategy behind those pickups. Sure. So, as you mentioned, uh, we're very fortunate to have two fully permitted mines and a processing plant in the Cobol Basin. We purchased, Manuka purchased these assets in, uh, in 2016 and uh, first purchased the Wanna Winter Silver Project and then in 2019 it completed the purchase of the Mount Boppy Gold Project. Mount Boppy uh, mined between 1895 and 1925 initially and was one of the richest gold mines in New South Wales. It produced around about 500,000 ounces of gold at an average grade of around 15 grams per tonne, which is astonishing. Uh, and one a winter silver project was actually Australia's largest pure silver play around 2013 and 14. Um, and we, what we inherited besides a plant, we've got two fully equipped uh, mine camps and we have a 50 million ounce silver resource at Wana Winter. So we, we kicked off we kicked off production with Mount Boppy Gold because we had easy cash flow there. And the plan has always been once we got the first stage or phase one gold uh, comes to a close, we then move across and start processing uh, the silver stockpiles which exist on our ROM pad at the plant at Wana Winter. Right, okay. So, Mount Boppy's a good place to start, as you mentioned, a high-grade producer with a long history. 
Uh, you're producing gold there with processing through the Wanna Winter plant. How's that been going and how long will it last in the current campaign? And what's the bigger picture you're chasing there? So the the bigger picture is we want a long-term gold project. We want a long-term gold project at Wanna Winter. When we, we listed on the ASX in, in June of 2020, we were the first company to actually list in the post-COVID era. And um, we, we were in production at that at that time. Uh, when we listed, we expected to, uh, we made a forecast that we produced between 22 to 24,000 ounces of gold from, um, from Mount Boppy. But, um, we're wrapping up now the first phase of gold and we'll be close to before. We'll be over 40,000 ounces. And the beauty is we still have a 40,000 ounce, uh, resource remaining in the pit. And what, what we're going to really ramp up over the next six months is we're going to ramp up the exploration of Mount Boppy and the region. We're actually awaiting it at this moment in time. We're awaiting 4,500 metres of beneath pit drilling. So uh, Mount Boppy, important to note, Mount Boppy was an underground mine, the artisanal miners uh, between 1895 and 1925. They went as deep as 900 feet. Um, mm -hmm. We've stopped at about 120 metres at this point in time. And um, just to, to regroup, we've We've converted that, that phase of it into an open pit. And the exercise has been to truck the ore 150 k's from Mount Boppy across to Wanda Winter. But at over three gram gold, uh, that's, that's what they've left us behind is three gram gold, which is very profitable for us. Uh, it's well worth the exercise, well worth the, you know, the haulage. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned there historic mining occurred at depths of uh, 240 metres in the Current pits 120 metres. With the drilling program you have uh, planned, the is the intention to arrive at uh, a resource estimate at some time, or is it more a given the high grade of the operation? Is it more just a, a suck and see? Uh, we'll bring out a revised resource, job uh, resource, uh, at the end of this um, at the end of this phase of exploration. So uh, as I say, we're waiting on four and a half thousand metres, and that's essentially been targeting the mineralized zone beneath our current pit design um, and, and opportunities within that zone. So we think we're sitting on a structure that goes deeper, well deeper. Um, you know, bear in mind that it's at 120 metres, Mount Poppy, uh, where we are at this point. That's very shallow for the Cobalt Basin. Our, our, mm. our uh, CSA copper project, um, you know, which is owned by Glencore, is uh, closer to two kilometres deep. The peak gold mine owned by Aurelia is over a kilometre deep. The Endeavour mine was over a kilometre deep before it went into care maintenance. Both our projects, the Wonder Winter Silver Project and the Mount Poppy Gold, are still very shallow. And what we are uh, banking on at this stage is they turn out to be the typical uh, deeper style of uh, and, and, and traditional cobalt projects. Right. Okay. Well, it's a. A nice uh, restart pro uh, uh, project, as it, I think you've reported $12 million in profits in the past six months from Mount Boppy. And that's set to continue until about uh, February 22, which is this so month. Pretty much yeah. now, yeah, pretty much now we draw that to yeah. close and then move across to the silver. Right, so the silver process, processing ops to start in uh, roughly March at yep. Wanna Winter. Okay. Now, that's another historic producer with difficult times for previous owners. Outline the uh, campaign you've got coming up to treat the stockpile divorce. I think it's over seven months for 900,000 ounces of silver. And what the bigger and longer term picture is there as well? 
Um, so the initial phase is to, uh, to, it will be to process the stockpiles, which currently sit on our ROM pad. And there's, there's about 500,000 tons of stock, 515,000 tons of stockpile grading over 70 grams. They're part of our resource model. Mm. Uh, and then we've got scattered around the ML, the mining, uh, the mining lease, we have another 250,000 ounces of, sorry, 250,000 tons of material, which will go through the plant as well. So that should take us seven to eight months. It's a good starting, um, it's a good starting exercise for us to get back into the silver production. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Wanda Winter did have a, uh, a spotted history and we, we feel we've dealt with a number of those metallurgical issues. And this, this will you know, demonstrate to us, this, this will be the proof in the pudding going forward uh, if we are able to generate this eight, nine, well, we, we expect there to be 900,000 ounces of gold mm -hmm. in the next seven months. So have you been able to put out any uh, economic returns from that uh, campaign or is it uh, something you'll be reporting as you go? We haven't yet. Uh, we're going to report that as we go um, because, as, as I say, there, there, there are a couple of... Uh, there are a couple of enhancements we've made to date, um, and there's been, you know, there's been certain uh, process changes on the way through, which we're now very comfortable about where they will sit. Right. Okay. And then, like Mount Poppy, you've got a, a bigger and longer term picture uh, awaiting you there. Um, look, when we bought the project, or well, the, the long term history for the the gold the gold silver ratio, the long term price history uh, has gold silver between 50 and 60. So what that means simply is 50 ounces, 50 and 60 ounces of silver equates to the price of one ounce of gold. Where we've been sitting and where we, we're sitting today closer to 80. So 80 ounces of silver equates to one ounce of, you know, one ounce of gold. And it's been up as high as 120 over the last, over the last two years. Um, at those prices, we make more money from three gram gold than we do from three ounce silver. And, and that's, the underlying resource we have is based around three, you know, a large component of it is based around three ounce silver. Um, that will become the, the, the first phase of production when we should we go into mining or when we go into mining. Um, and there are a number of benefits for doing it. We don't have the freight component, obviously hauling, hauling the ore 100, uh, 150 kilometers. And we can actually put more ore through the plant with the softer, amount, uh, the softer one of winter ores. We, we can, put almost double, we'll better put through uh, the plant, double the amount we can put through of the harder Mount Poppy ores. Mm, okay. And regionally, there's, uh, you've got numerous uh, targets that you'll be drilling up as potential uh, supply sources in the future. Yeah. So at, at one, on the one winter side, uh, the old McKinnon's gold mine, which was mined by a company called Vertican Resources in the eight, in the late 1990s, and they produced about 240,000 ounces of gold. Um, that's part of our exploration tenements. We have an, a number of other projects that we're, um, you know, high confidence projects that we're targeting. Uh, the Guzzi deposit, uh, the Goldwing deposit. Um, those, and then we'll obviously we also drilling what we call the Wanna Winter the one winter deeps so the one winter our resource model is an oxide resource uh it's only down to about 60 meters um, and we've had very good success with the initial phase of drilling uh, into the sulfide zone below
Mm, okay. Now, I mentioned earlier the importance of uh, having fully permitted mines and processing operations uh, under your belt in the New South Wales context. It can uh, take a long time there, as we're seeing with other uh, projects. Uh, talk about the advantage in that, particularly, I guess, as the influence that might give the company in a region that seemed ripe for rationalisation. Yeah, so there, there are actually only five, there are only five operating plants in the region, of which we, we are one of them. And mm-hmm. we've seen, we've had the opportunity recently to add to our capacity within within the Cobalt Basin. But, um, you know, COVID-led, COVID-led delays and COVID-led uh, inflation you know, on, on, on componentry and machine inflation is such that we see this as a key part of our value. Um, it would, uh, you know, it would cost well more than our market cap to re-establish our current production mm. capacity on, on site. And so we do see this as adding to the, uh, you know, to our core value. Yeah. Okay. And I noticed that you've just picked up a 1 million tonne per annum flotation circuit previously used at Oceana Gold's Reefton Gold Mine in New Zealand. It's uh, coming across to one winter, but what was the strategy behind that pickup and what does it mean for your optionality at the project? So that, that was opportunistic really on, on three fronts. I mean, it, it, Mount, you know, Mount, Bobby, Mount Bobby Gold recoveries for us at the moment with, with um, our current leach plant are around 75%. And initial test work shows that the addition of a, a float circuit to our um, to our Mount Bobby ores would uh, improve that by about 10%. So just on that front alone, it, um, that you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Then I've, I've touched on it, you know, earlier on, I touched on the fact that we do expect to uh, further exploration success from what we call the Warner Winter Deeps beneath our existing um, Warner Winter Silver project. And again, the sulphides would require flotation. Um, so it, on, you know, for the second, that's the second reason why it makes a lot of sense. And then, as you've touched on, there are 20 or so explorers in the region. And this does give us greater corporate opportunity because permitting today could take up to five years. And we have, you know, all our approvals are intact. We've got two mine camps. We've just actually added another 40 units to one of to our Wanda Winter mine camp. So that now will have accommodation for 128 um, you know, people. Um, and that just adds to, I guess, our inherent strength in the region. Mm, okay. And what's the timeline for knocking it down, bringing it over, setting it up and having it ready? Uh, look, it's a pretty good question, that, because it's tricky to get into New Zealand at the moment, although that, <laughs> that is easing. We've, um, you know, we've got most of this year to, to, to get that knocked down and, and shipped across. Installing it in Australia, that will, you know, we can do that at our, essentially at our leisure when, when it makes commercial sense. You know, if we're going to just be sticking to processing silver from the, from the oxides, we don't need a, we, you know, we don't need the float uh, circuit. Um, assuming we have the, ex, you know, the extensions to Mount Boppy that we, we're hoping for, uh, then it would make sense to bring it in and corporate activity could drive, you know, could, could certainly hasten that progress. But we'd have this, we, we expect to have this, um, you know, I guess, you know, in, in containers and on the water before, uh, you know, around about mid-year. Mid, mid we do have time uh, up our sleeve as far as the, the contract is concerned. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a nice pickup. And I, I, I gather, given it's uh, 
Oceana Gold is the, uh, the seller of it. It's uh, probably a, a well-maintained bit of kit as well. Yeah, well, it's part of their their Reefton restoration project. They've closed the Reefton line down. Um, mm. And coincidentally, one of our metallurgists uh, worked for Oceana, so he's had good knowledge of the plant, which has you know, kicked, kicked us along a bit further as well. Okay. The acquisition cost, quote-unquote bargain, was it? Uh we, we believe so. It's, you know, the total cost of $400,000. You don't get much for $400,000 nowadays. Um, no. $30,000 deposit has been paid. Yeah, as I said, to just to recreate out what we have on site, it costs well over 100 mil. And this adds nicely to it. So it's, it's a, you know, we believe it's a real bargain. Okay. And Dennis, I see you've got a bit of a, an investment bank uh, uh, commodities trading uh, background. So I'd be interested to know, uh, and I'm sure investors will be, what's your read on gold and silver prices heading off into uh, 2022? Uh, look, as a producer, you, you can't help yourself. You're inherently optimistic. You know, that's <laughs> what it is. But uh, th- this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good uh, landscape for you know, gold at twenty five fifty, which is where it is. You know, Aussie dollars per ounce is a pretty good price level. You should be making money at these levels. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a bit more optimistic on silver. I do think I do think that the gold silver ratio is going to correct. I do think we're going to see silver kick up a bit further than uh, than gold. It it brings you know a number of industrial mineral applications to it as well as a precious metal store of value. So I do think we'll see silver around that. Yeah between 35 and 40 Aussie dollars per ounce. Yeah, and, and, and that's really why we want to get ourselves ready with, you know, for, for the next phase of, of our production in silver. Uh, we'll complete the trial now on the, or the initial phase on, uh, on the back of stockpiles and, and then be better equipped and better educated for the way forward. Mm, okay. Um, two different views on this one, but uh, what's the company's uh, view on hedging, particularly in silver? We we have put on some uh, some hedges over the last over the last uh, nine months. We've had some gold hedges on um, at, at various times in the cycle. Uh, they've actually been they've been profitable. But hedging is an insurance, obviously, as as, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to you know trading opportunity. It is an insurance, uh, and it'll depend on uh, it'll depend on the board's view going forward of. of of pricing and, and the level of conservatism they want to they want to adopt. Um, I'm obviously a member of the board. I'll have my say in that cycle. Uh, we do recognise that investors want exposure to the underlying to the underlying commodity. So, um, you know, a 25 to 30 percent hedging uh, component may be um, prevalent at certain times, but uh, it wouldn't be more than that. Yeah, yeah, it's a funny one because. Investors want uh, <clears throat> exposure to the upside, but they also yeah, they want protection to the downside. So, exactly. yeah, sensible percentage. Okay, then um, we've covered a lot of ground there, but I was hoping you could just bring it together and give investors a feel for what they should be looking out for the company uh, in 2022, which is, seems to be shaping up as a big one for the company. Yep. Um, as mentioned, we're finishing our phase one of gold. We move across to silver production for the next uh, seven, seven, eight months. Um, at that stage, we'll have had the time to, you know, to, to fully analyse the, the extent of, of gold that remains in the deeps you know, beneath us in, in, at Mount Boppy. Uh, as mentioned, we're waiting on 4,500 metres of drilling beneath the pit. 
uh, as well as a number of other targets uh, very close to Mount Botley. Um, and we have, you know, we have a, a reserve, a, a silver reserve there that's developing as we speak. And um, it, it really starts coming into its own when prices move a little bit higher. At this point in time, as mentioned, three grand gold is more attractive for us than, than three ounce silver. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, just one thing. We actually do. We are permitted for a plant at Mount Boppy as well. We, I mean, oh, okay. there so was a plant there historically. It's not there at the moment, but uh, if we find sufficient, there's no reason why we can't run a plant at Boppy as well as a process. Uh, you know, plant the existing one at Wanamata. No, oh, interesting. Okay, folks, there we go. Interesting one. Um, current gold production, then switching over to uh, silver production in commodities uh, we all like. So, with exploration upside in the broader uh, Cobar Basin and a strategic advantage over most of the players in that region, because uh, as a I kept mentioning they've got fully permitted operations with the processing plan at one winter. No, great stuff. So thanks for your time today, Dennis, and good luck with it all. Thank you very much, Brendan. This episode of the Explorers Podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.